Welcome to Asante Church. If this is your first time here, it's not usually this cold. Uh, this is the great freeze-out service of 2024. If you can make it through this one, you'll be good all the way until summer. Talk to the school, and they're like, hey, we're on a break. We don't turn the heat on when we're on a break, so we're just going to be persecuted this morning, okay? Um, hey, first Sunday, this Sunday, four, two services. That is awesome. There's Absolutely, we're here. We made it. We, we set it up, and we're going to tear it down, and then we're going to act like we were never here. Uh, man, this is awesome, and this means so much, not just for us as a church and how God has grown his church, but so much for the community. There were a few services at the end of last year where I reached out to somebody. I saw someone in the community, and I said, hey, uh, thanks for coming to our church. They, they told me they were at our church. I don't have um, one of those memories where I could just, uh, photographic memory where I just remember you forever. Um, they were like, hey, I went to your church, and uh, man, it seemed full. And so we're going to be looking around at other places, uh, and that broke my heart. And today, as we go to services, we are at a place as a church where we never have to say that, um, hopefully for a long time to come, because three services seems like a whole lot right now. So <laughs> we want to make sure that there is space in this church for our community, and that is what this is all about. So we are excited for today. We are so excited that we called up our friends, um, NV Donuts, all the way from Anthem, Arizona, and they are outside, and so directly after service, we have free fresh donuts. I mean, they just got fried, just got whatever is on top of them that is super healthy, um, and it's going to help you with all your New Year's resolutions uh, just for you right there as soon as it's made, and then coffee for you as well. And I'm not just talking about black coffee. I'm talking about the foo-foo Starbucks coffee as well. Like, we want you to feel loved. We want you to know we're excited about two services. We want to celebrate this thing right with some foo-foo coffee, okay? Um, if you don't like foo-foo coffee, you probably brought your own today, and that is good too. So let me just start off by saying Happy New Year. I know we're already seven days into the new year. Um, anybody make any New Year's resolutions? Just go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> You're my kind of people. I love this. You're like, no, I'm anti-establishment. I don't believe in those. Um, okay, well, of the two of you that made them, anybody already break them? All right, holding strong, holding strong. My girls, awesome, awesome, awesome. Why is it, not for us, for the rest of the world, why is it that we make New Year's resolutions? We make New Year's resolutions because we're not happy with the way our lives are going. We want to see some changes in our lives, and we think that if we just say, hey, I'm going to change everything on January 1st, it's so much different than December 31st, everything is going to be different in my new year. You think about the New Year's resolutions that we make. Oftentimes, they're very broad. They're very general. They can seemingly be pretty surface level. But I think there's really a deeper desire, there's a deeper, um, there's deeper work that needs to happen in our lives and on our hearts for these to really come to fruition in our lives. Um, let's take a look at the top five New Year's resolutions of 2024 of all the people that this survey surveyed, um, that took this survey. They said that number one across this board, if I can say survey a few more times, that'd be great, improving physical fitness. 48% of the people uh, in, in the world, they surveyed the whole world. I don't know if you got it or not. I didn't. You obviously didn't. Um, <laughs> two of you did. 48% of people want to improve their physical fitness. 38% of people want to improve their finances. 
36% of people want to improve their mental health, 34% of people want to lose weight, and 32% of people want to improve their diet. Now, if you're adding those percentages up, that you can't add all those up and it gets to 100, there's a lot of overlap there. I'm sure it wasn't a multiple choice test. It was, hey, if this is you, applies to me, applies to me, applies to me, applies to me. Who doesn't want to get more fit? Who doesn't want to get richer? Who doesn't want to handle their wealth better? Who doesn't want better mental health? Who doesn't want to lose weight and improve their diet? All of these things are great on the outside. All of these things may have a lot of motivations beneath the surface, but all of these things have to be taken on little by little, applied slowly, so that they can come about in our lives. I did hear this one. Um, this is the most creative, the most genius New Year's resolution that I've ever heard um, in my 34 years of being on this planet Earth. Um, guys, you can steal this one. It's a really good one. Ladies, if you know, you know. Um, there was a husband that made a New Year's resolution for the remainder of this NFL football season and for the next NFL football season that he would not watch a single Tuesday night football game. That's a sacrifice. He's not going to watch a single Tuesday night football game I, look, I, I saw this on Instagram, all right, it was on my reels, and uh, he tells his wife, dude, she starts bawling her eyes out. <laughs> You're going to give that up for me? You're not going to watch any NFL Tuesday night football games because of me. And listen, husbands, look over at your wife. If she's laughing right now, don't pull that stunt. <laughs> if she's lost, do it, Okay. <laughs> I don't know how this guy's new year is turning out. If this woman told any of her friends and any of her friends had any idea how sports work, this guy's marriage is probably on the rocks right now. So <laughs> be praying for him. Here we are, 2024. It's a new year, but we have the same vision as a church. This is not a New Year's resolution for us today. What I want to discuss with you is from my heart. I, what I want to discuss with you is going to be the scope and the filters the um, way that we go about ministry for the rest of this year. And so what is our vision for 2024 as a church? New year, same vision. We will continue as long as we are a church to be the church and display the kingdom. We will continue. That's right. That's my people right there. It's in our DNA by now. We will continue to be the church and display the kingdom. And we have, over the course of the past three years of sermons, kind of broken this down piece by piece. But today I want to truly focus on what it means to be the church and to display the kingdom. So, first question we have to ask ourselves this morning as we go into the rest of this year and how we will operate as a church doing the work of Jesus throughout our ministry here in the building and outside of this building in the community. What does it mean to be the church? It means that we are one body with many parts. It means that we are one body, many parts. Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, for just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Asante Church, that means that we are a part of something much bigger. That means that as individuals, you are a part of something much bigger. As a church, we're, part, we're a little C church that's a part of the big C, universal church, the universal body of Christ. As members of this church, you are a part of this church body. 
What that means is that we are the eyes, we are the ears, we are the nose, we are the mouth, we are the hands and the feet of the same body. That means that each one of us is different. That means that you can do things that I can never even dream of doing. That means that your brain works in certain ways that my brain just does not have the capacity to work in. That means that you have been gifted with certain spiritual giftings that God has not graced me with. That means that we also have some overlap. That means that there's probably quite a few people in here who we have quite a bit in common. But by the power of God, every single one of us is still so completely different. Being different parts of the same body means we all have a part to play. This means that I can't do this without you. This means you can't do this without me. And it's not just me. This could be anyone up here. We cannot do this without each other. All of us, unified through the work of Jesus, called to join him on his mission. All called to love God and love his people. This year, it's going to take every single one of us acting in everything that we would see as a strength in our life and then acting in every place that we know is a weakness and submitting that to God and saying, Holy Spirit, make up for the difference. This isn't going to be in our strength this year. This is going to be in the strength of God the Father. If we're going to continue to see him move, it can't be, Jesus, you know what? We could have done this on our own. We didn't really need you. No, it's going to be us falling flat on our faces saying, God, in every place where I'm weak, every place where I fail, I submit myself to you. And I need you to fill the gap. And that will take all of us coming together. What does it mean to be the church? Now, this is pretty cool right here. It means that we are God's proof. We are God's proof. Ephesians 3, 10 through 11. Paul writes, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I don't know if you're the type of Christian that as soon as you came to know Jesus, you wanted to answer all the questions, or maybe you tried to just slow drip that process throughout the year as you've walked with the Lord. But a question will come up eventually as you read through the Bible, and that question is, why didn't God just get rid of Satan when he rebelled? Okay, so the way that works is God created the heavens and the earth, and sometime between the heavens being created and the earth was created, uh, there were angels that were created, and angels were created to mirror, to uh, reflect God's glory back to him. Well, God created his angels with free will, just as he created us and a third of those angels with Lucifer at their head. This is Lucifer as referred to in Ezekiel. That means light shining one, one of the top angels that God created. He said, no, God, I don't want to live under your rule. I don't want to live under your reign. And so I'm going to rebel. And so a third of heaven fell. Third of the stars from heaven talks about that in Revelation, that more being about the birth of Jesus, but a third of heaven fell. When you look at Adam and Eve, you see that the snake was already in the garden there to deceive Adam and Eve to make them fall into sin. The question remains, why didn't God just destroy Satan on the spot? Why didn't he just get rid of him? By the way, after that fall, it talks about uh, who Satan was and what he was originally created to do in Ezekiel. We never see him referred to as Lucifer ever again. From that point on, it's Satan, which means the opposer, the adversary, the one that would come against God. 
And here's why. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That means that God is proving himself, his all-encompassing, all-powerful, mighty self through his wisdom and power to the curious and rebellious powers. That means to the angels and demons that are on looking in the spiritual realm. In 1 Peter 1.12, talks about how angels are curious about our salvation. And so God is proving his might, his all-knowingness, his manifold wisdom through his church. Now that word manifold also means multifaceted. So that means that there are so many different angles of God's wisdom, showing, proving that he is all-knowing. How is he proving that? He is proving that through his church. God is at work putting his original plan back into place through, what does it say there at the end of verse 11? It is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is putting it all back together through the redeeming work of Jesus. How? Through the church. How? By? How? Through the church? By bringing sinners of every tribe, of every tongue, of every nation together in heavenly community. Okay, that's a lot. Why didn't God just get rid of the enemy right off the bat so that he could prove him wrong? He could prove that his, that his plan that the enemy rebelled against from the start was actually the right plan the entire time. How is he doing that? He's doing that through Jesus redeeming you, Jesus redeeming me, Jesus redeeming you, Jesus redeeming you, Jesus redeeming you, and then bringing us all together to see the mission of God move forward when we work in cooperation with him to see his will come through. That should show us the power and the importance of living in community. When we live in community, when we choose not to live in isolation, not to drive in to our garage, close it behind us, and never talk to anyone around us, when we choose to show up on a Sunday morning or show up on a Saturday or Sunday night to home groups, when we choose to live life together throughout the week, that is where God shows up. And that is where powerful things happen. And where God shows up and where those powerful things happen, the enemy is proven wrong every time. When we come together, when an unbeliever joins us, when they hear the gospel, when they submit their lives to Jesus and they follow him, man, the angels stand in awe. What does it mean to be the church? Third point here. Don't worry, we only have nine today. We are Christ's bride. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. Maybe you've heard this before, husbands. I hope so, and I hope you live it out even more. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word church. You are Christ's bride. That means that you are loved. You aren't just loved, but you are loved sacrificially. This means that you have been wed to him. This means that you belong to him, that he has won you. And I want you to think maybe, hopefully, right now, in your marriage, if we're just being completely, lay ourselves open here. Just think of, man, the best it's ever been. Think of the openness and the intimacy between husband and wife. Think of the depths of being known. 
we are known so much more than that by God, our Father. That means he sees the best of us and he sees the worst of us. And he takes us in and he loves us through it all. But not only does he love us, not only did he sacrifice himself for us as we as men should for our wives, but we are being made more like him through his word. Once again, this points to the importance of spending time with God in his word. It cannot just happen for a few minutes here on Sunday morning. This is a Monday through Saturday thing. We can't say, I'm coming to church on Sunday morning and I'm in alignment with God, and then we go out and we just realign ourselves with the world. That's not how it works. We will never grow closer to Jesus if we only spend an hour with him a week. We spend time with the Lord. How do we spend time with the Lord? How do we follow what he says? We have to know what he says. How do we know what he says? We spend time in his word because his word points out his principles and what he says to us. And we live that out throughout our week. That is what it means to be the church. So if that's what it means to be the church, what does it mean now to display the kingdom? It means that we get to partner with God. And we get to partner with God in the bringing of his will. This is something that we do not deserve, and this is something that is incredible, an incredible part of being a believer. Matthew 6.10, Jesus, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has his disciples around him and then just thousands of people around them. And he is teaching them how to pray. And in the second verse of the how you should pray, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the invitation. This is the invitation to live and to pray in a way that is so aligned to God's will that it brings heaven down to earth. That's what it means to display the kingdom. When we say be the church, display the kingdom, we are saying you go out into the world and you bring heaven down to earth. Why? Because you are so aligned with his will. Why? Because you are Jesus' person in the dark places. I don't know what school was like for you growing up, but I can almost bet I'd bet like $100 on it, Monopoly money, okay? That every single day at school growing up for you, I, I don't think we have, I think they're still doing this, by the way. I'm not sure we have some teachers in here. I'll check with you in a second. We did one thing every single day. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge allegiance to the flag, United States of America. Why did we pledge allegiance to the flag? Because um, America is awesome. Um, two, undefeated in world wars. I think that's a big deal. We should be pledging allegiance to that. Um, but three, this is the nation in which we are citizens, that we take part in. When we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is our pledge of allegiance to the kingdom of God. This is us saying, God, we want your rule over creation. We want to worship you. We don't want to worship your creation. We want what you want for your creation. God, we want your way, when and where you want it. That is the uh, opposite of Burger King when it comes to theology right there. Have it your way because you're the king, you rule. No. God, you have it your way. You're the king, you rule. God, you can accomplish anything without me. But would you allow me to take part in what your plans are in my world, in your world, just this little part that I get to experience in my life today. To be to display the kingdom means that we bring light into the darkness. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. Church, this is us. 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Christian, Jesus follower, disciple in this place today, you are a hope dealer. You are a light shiner. It means that you show Jesus in your home, on your street, in your office, in your family, in your relationships, in your community, on your commute, on your commute. That's why we don't have little stickers that say CCV, okay? But maybe you should put a CCV sticker on your car for the way some of y'all drive, okay? I'm kidding. We're friends. I'll prove that later. And even in our travels, every single place we go, we shine light into the darkness. We do not add to the darkness. It doesn't matter what comes against us. We continue to love and bring light and hope into every single situation. So what does that mean? That means that the prim and proper church face that we put on when we come into here and we operate with other Christians and we're so happy to see each other and, and man, our lives are good. First of all, I hope that's real. And I think for a lot of us, <laughs> especially the crowd that doesn't make New Year's resolutions, I think that is authentic. We love the Lord and we love each other. But it can't just be here. You don't put a light under a basket and it shines light out of it. No, you are the same person here as you are out in the darkness of the world. You are and you bring Jesus everywhere you go at all times. Third thing it means to display the kingdom, and this is going to be good for a lot of us this morning, and we need to really lean into this for the rest of the year, is that we rest as God works. To display the kingdom means we rest as God works. Jesus is again teaching, uh, and he's teaching a parable. All right, a story with some truth behind it, used with analogies and metaphors. Uh, Mark 4, 26 through 28, this is the parable of the seed growing. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And then he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first blade, then ear, and then the full grain in the ear. As followers of Jesus, as people, a part of this church and any part of the universal church, we are called to scatter seed. This means that we remain faithful. We remain obedient to the principles and the mission of God. Simply put, we trust God and we go and do what he says. We don't just sit on it. We don't just listen to it and get intellectually smart and don't actually ever work it out. We put it to work. But what happens after we put it to work? As I say, you go out and you work harder, and you make sure that those people know the gospel, those people that you've told over and over again. No, it doesn't say that we do anything in our own strength. What does it say? It says that this man slept, and it grew day by day, and he had no idea how. It's the same for us. We sleep just as this man sleeps. We rest. We allow God to do what only God can do, and we do not force it by trying to accomplish anything in our own power of our own accord. If we are, then how much of a God does that actually take? It doesn't. But remember, it's in our weakness that God shows up. It's in our weakness that God moves. Why? Because he gets the glory then. 
And it's not about us. It's always all about him. And I'll say this. As we are a people that fight against the hurry and the hustle, don't forget this year, as we do for the Lord, as we follow his principles, as we go about his mission, that we sit back, we pray, we say, God, this is in your hands, this is not in my hands, but don't forget to sit back and just watch and be amazed at everything that God has done. Don't forget to stop and pause and be amazed at everything God is doing in the moment of him doing it. And we look at this recap video of 2023, we can say we have a truly amazing God that did things in our community that he has called all of us to live in somehow, for some reason, at the same time to take part in this mission of being the church and displaying the kingdom and loving him and loving other people so that they can come into relationship, hopefully with us, and then they can come into relationship with him so that their eternity could be saved. And he's brought us all together, and he's done things that are so much more than we could ever do on our own strength and our own power. And what do we do as as a church? How do we respond as a church? We sit back and we say, wow, and that is my God. Only he could do these things. And how do we respond? We worship. I would say as a church, I think it is going to be crucial this year that we don't get sucked into this vacuum of hustle culture that's around us that just says, never sleep, never rest, start five businesses, just work harder, just work out three times a day, everything in your life is going to get better. I mean, if we're comparing that to what God says, that's pretty close to demonic. Yeah, you should work hard. You should be exhausted at the end of the day. You should hope to and strive to take care of your body because that's what God has given you so that you can go about ministry in the world. But don't idolize those things. Worship the God that you are doing those things. I have an appreciation for because he saved you in them. Don't get caught up into the hustle and the bustle. But look to God and rest in him. So be the church. Display the kingdom. It's who we are as a church. This is our DNA. It's what we are about. How will we be the church and display the kingdom this year? Again, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, these are broad, very general topics that really, unless you look at how you're going to put them in place in your life, you're just not ever going to. And so we can say that this is our mission, this is our vision, this is what we value, this is what we're going for, but unless we actually put tangible, practical steps to it, we really won't. It'll just remain something that we say at the end of service and might freak some people out, might not, but we'll go for it. The first thing that we will do to be the church and display the kingdom is fully submit ourselves to Jesus. We need full submission to Jesus. I know, say it all the time, but I'm not dead yet, so I'll keep saying it. Jesus puts it like this. He says, die to yourself. Luke 9, 23 through 24. This is in a section where he says, take up your cross and follow me. And he says to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Other translations say, will find it. This means that we've got to be willing to sacrifice every single aspect of our lives to the Lord if we are going to follow him, lose our lives to him, and then gain it. This means that we don't hold anything back. We don't hold our time back. We don't hold our strength and our energy back. We don't hold our thought life back. We don't hold our relationships back. We don't hold our finances back. We give it all to him. But it doesn't just stop there. 
Paul would say this, die to your sin. Jesus says, die to yourself and dying to yourself. This is part, it kind of falls under that umbrella, but this is worth mentioning. That as we move forward, we cannot let sin into the church. We cannot let sin into our lives because it will destroy and kill everything in it. It says, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Your and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Take inventory. Any place in your life that does not line up to God and his word and what he has called us to do, we lay every ounce of that before our King Jesus. We repent of that. That means that we ask for forgiveness from that because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And then we put a plan in place where we do not return to that sin again. And then we turn 180 degrees and we run as fast as we can in the opposite direction, executing that plan through the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us away from that sin, which we will return to like a dog to its vomit every single time without Jesus in our lives. This means that we realize That when Jesus died on the cross for us, when he rose from the grave, he didn't just rise from the grave victorious over death, but victorious over sin. This means that you have been set free. And you've been set free to be an instrument of righteousness, meaning you live solely for him. This next one. This falls on me as your pastor, but not just as your pastor, but where we are going as a church and what we will need to lean further into. And that is continued teaching and preaching in the word, but we will be focusing and putting a heavier emphasis on prayer. Why? Because the, in the early first century church, in the book of Acts, when the apostles were starting to overlook certain areas of ministry because ministry was getting too much and they needed to appoint deacons, this is the reason why. Acts 6-4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That is what those apostles, those leaders of the early church said, this is what you focus on as a pastor. And then reading this causes me to look at my life and say, okay, the ministry of prayer, or I devote myself to prayer and the ministry of the word, one of those is stronger than the other. Um, The ministry of the word, the teaching, the preaching, the studying of God's word, man, in my life, that is strong. But man, when it comes to prayer, it's like leg day for most guys in the gym. All right, they're never hitting leg day. These are muscles that are just weaker than everything else. It's like, um, man, as a pastor, I'm probably like Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. Have you heard of him? He's a running back uh, in a quarterback position. Um, I'm just playing. We won't go there. A lot of Eagles love lately. I love it. But man, in my life, and where we are as a church, we put a lot of emphasis on teaching and preaching, but as we move forward into this year, we will put a bigger emphasis on prayer. It means that we will pray here just as we have in 2023, but this year we will begin to meet monthly, and we will pray together as a church, whether that's here, whether that's in someone's house, whether that's a place in this community. We will give everything over to the Lord, and we will ask him to move in ways in which we can only dream of. And then finally, we will have focused outreach. Acts 1-8, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. North Surprise is our Jerusalem. We will continue to love and do outreach to the community and the teachers of the school in the ways that we have. Speaking of CCV, I went to hang out with them and their campus pastor and their staff the other day. I got a uh, tour of their campus, and I was just thinking, man, it's going to be crazy at our first prayer meeting when we pray that they would donate that building to us, and God moves. Uh, I can't wait. God's going to move in a big way 2024. Here's the keys, baby. All right. Thank you. Um, Man talking to their lead pastor, he said, hey, I I want you to know this. Out of all the campuses that we've ever opened, we immediately try to go and reach out to and love on the school, and never in the history of us opening campuses have we ever experienced what we've experienced here in this community, and that is that you guys are already reaching and meeting so many needs of the school that you are having church in that they basically told us, like, hey, thanks, but we don't really need any additional support. Uh, Hey, yeah, absolutely. Um, man, 180 people in a church every Sunday, 160 people, man, y'all can do a lot of damage, all right? Like I said, we want to be the Navy SEALs, and that's what you have done. That's the way we've gone about ministry, is the needs of this school are being met in a way that CCV has said, hey, y'all's relationship is already so tight, instead of us trying to come in and do something extra on top of what you're already doing, because you're already doing so much, we want to help fund everything that you do this next year. And so, one, I think it's awesome that they're kingdom-minded, and they're willing to partner with us to, to love this school even better, too. I think it is incredible to see the way that you have loved this school and this community. Yeah, we can clap twice. Absolutely. Incredible. Not only will we love our Jerusalem this year, we'll love our Judea. That is North Peoria. We support two churches two church plants um, out of schools just like this in North Peoria, but we also send 6% of every dollar that comes in right back out into church planting across the state. We're not going to stop. We're going to continue that. We're also going to love our Samaria. We're going to go to Baja, Mexico this year with the, one of the churches that we support in North, in North Peoria, Community Life, but also with another church called Happy Valley Baptist Church, and we are going to build some homes for people in Baja, Mexico. I have uh, some pictures here I'd like to show, share with you. Um, basically, this picture here, um, people from southern Mexico end up in northern Mexico because they're cr- recruited by farmers that are uh, recruited by Driscoll fruits or Driscoll produce to um, help them work their lands, help them farm the produce. They promise them places to live. A lot of times it's uh, horse stables or places like this um, that just aren't good places to live for families of four to six to eight to ten people. And so what we will then come in and do is once they level out the land, we will then put a house on it, much like this house that's actually a church building right here. And uh, this is the place that we will stay uh, as we are building homes throughout our week in Baja, Mexico. We want to make sure that we're not just being the church and displaying the kingdom here, that we keep taking it out. And this year, we will also continue to love and to serve Nicaragua and continue to, uh, to take advantage of the awesome relationships that we have there with BM, DMI. And uh, signups for both of those will be coming out soon. But in all of this, the reason I share all of this is that and this, is, this is huge. This is huge what God entrusts to us in Acts 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When we give our lives to Jesus, we've received the Holy Spirit, and now we are his witnesses. 
not just here in our homes, not just here in our community, but all the way to the ends of the earth, not one, then the other, but all at once. And we have the capacity to do that as a church. That's exactly what we will continue to do this year. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a church that desires true and deep things of God. And I cannot wait to see what God does through this church in our community all the way to the ends of the earth this year. Let's pray.